Hey everybody, some of our favorite brands are looking to advertise on this podcast. They will help us improve the show and keep it free. As you know, this is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. We have a survey that I'd like you to take to help us learn a bit more about you. Just go to podsurvey.com matters. The survey will only take you five minutes. We're going to ask you some questions about yourself and what you'd like to buy, but it's completely anonymous. Your answers help us find advertisers that are well-matched to you, your interests, and the show. When you're finished, you'll have a chance to enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Haven't we taught you anything? Take the free money. Don't rely on others to take the survey. Your five minutes here will have a lasting impact on the show. We need your help. If this show has helped you, please pay it forward and take our survey. Your support means the world to us. Once again, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Thanks for helping us focus on what really matters, creating an awesome show to help teach you about money. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. Plan A fails. Remember, there are 25 more letters. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Dude, drinking a Founders Porter, and just like Ooh. me, on the label, it says it's dark, rich, and sexy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that does describe you. I, I get that all the time. <laughs> uh, dark, rich, sexy, and tall. Gotcha. Have you had Ballast Point Stout, I think it's called? Uh, maybe. Maybe. It sounds familiar. I can't remember what, what the actual... Because uh, Ballast Point's a brewery. They have like a bunch of different names for their beers. Um, it almost like put me off stouts for a while the other night. Really? It was, was actually out with some good? friends. Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe it was just a little bit too much stout for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not stout enough for the stout. <laughs> so I am back to probably what is now my favorite beer, the Polaner Hefeweizen. Ah, and, uh, it's such a good beer. And today's catchphrase was actually from Chris Gillibo, who uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I found Chris uh, when I was really early on in blogging, and his stuff was pretty influential to me. So it's a great quote. Plan A fails. Remember the 24, 25 more letters. And Chris Gillibo is definitely an example of all we, that kind of we stuff. We had him on the show. A million That's years right. Ago. You did. Yeah. yeah, it was before I was a co-host. True. True. Was that uh, was that a better know a millionaire? Or was that just a Different, like a regular kind of interview? Uh, I think it was just a regular interview because uh, he was like the, the original travel hacker, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Well, today's episode is a Better Know Millionaire. I don't think we have done one in quite a while. But today on the show, we've got Matt Schaup, who is the founder of a company called m e Painting in Colorado. And uh, today we're just going to get his story. So, Matt, how's it going? I'm doing excellent. How are you guys doing? Great. And I just got to say it again. I said it off air, but you have an awesome podcasting voice, man. Yeah. Thank you. I'm now selling it online very, very expensively (laughs) if you'd like to purchase. You can buy the Matt Shout Voice Enhancer plugin for Skype (laughs) and sound just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, you sent over your story and it's awesome. Like you have this this story of being being ridiculously in debt and having all you own in a banker's box. So, dude, just like take us through this whirlwind that got you to where you are today. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll back up before the story, too, because I, I grew up uh, in Montclair, New Jersey, and I've always just been a, a little entrepreneur. I was a little troublemaker. I got kicked out of uh, school a lot, and uh, I, I just always saw everybody doing things one way, and then I went the other way. And uh, from, a, from a work standpoint, it was the same thing. Uh, we moved to Colorado when I was about 10, and I started mowing lawns and shoveling snow, and then uh, 
peddling candy out of my middle school locker. So I always just had that, that <laughs> entrepreneurial uh, spirit and, and gene in me, I guess. And uh, in college, I learned how to paint houses. I worked with a college painting company. And um, I, oh, okay. I, I have a couple degrees in child development and Spanish. And, okay. I, and I really don't use those to any degree today. But what I really just got a kick out of in, uh, in college was this business thing. I got approached by a college painting internship and uh, worked with them uh, for four years throughout college and made over six figures over four years as like a nine, you know, 18 to 22 year old college kid, which that's a lot of money. Really? Wait, you made that much yeah. painting? Yeah, you know, they, they come in and they basically just teach you all the ins and outs of running a, a painting company. They're a national organization. I mean, I learned a lot uh, from those guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, we made, we were making, you know, 25, 30 grand a, a summer just, just painting houses. Wow. No, I I've think got, I know the company you're talking about. Is it College Pro Painters? Like that was the one at least your uh, names. You know, it's a similar one. It's actually uh, co college works painting, student works painting. Their uh, their gotcha. national services group is their uh, parent company. Okay, so is that is it kind of a situation where you get hired and then you have to go find your own clients, or do they actually find clients for you? They they give you some really intense training, and then mm -hmm. you're out basically banging on doors and beating the street and and finding all your own business, all your own painters. Really? Yeah, you, you yeah. You knocked on doors for business, and you made. Dude, I got I, I I got chased by dogs, bit by dogs. I mean, I got all kinds of crazy what? crazy stories of doors that I went up on and knocked on. Yeah, absolutely. That is like a whole <laughs> other degree of hustle going. Oh my gosh! Wow. I'm lazy. I've had lazy. <laughs> I remember... thrown at me, and I, you know, just just <laughs> phenomenal stories. Phenomenal stories. Yeah, you've got to have like nerves of steel to do that. I had a friend who very thick skin. Months ago, he was in college and he was like, "All right, what I'm doing this summer is I'm going door to door selling textbooks." Yeah. And like three weeks later, he's like, "I'm not doing that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> there but, was a high. You made it work. Rate. Yeah, there there was a there, they'd hire you know over a hundred kids to take maybe twenty thirty through the summer. So I mean, it's definitely you've got to have that thick skin and really just just get out there and grind. And and that's yeah. what I did in college. So I mean. Um, yeah, so I made tons of money, and then the uh, just the the culture that I was in, and the people I surrounded myself uh, in college said, "Hey, you know, here's here's money in, and and here's money out, and I'm spending two, three times that just on, you know, on stupid things, man. You know, on 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 the partying and going out to eat, and just just not managing and thinking about what I'm spending. And then I graduate uh, from Colorado State in 2003, and I and I met my wife uh, in a bar. The, the year before, uh, right around when I graduated, and we ended up getting married, and you know, over purchased, uh, you know, an over leveraged condo. I got paid by the bank to buy my first home, which which was pretty cool. <laughs> oh man! And um, and I left the college painting industry. I said, hey, this is a cool summer gig. You know, painting's not a real sexy business. I I'll never do this again. And uh, this is back in like you know, oh three, oh four, when the mortgage business was really kicking, and everybody was was making money doing mortgages. And I was very driven back then by money and uh, knowing how to make it and make a lot. Of of it and I jumped into that business and uh, it looked pretty cool from the outside but when I got into it that just the, the couple of places where where I was working I just didn't uh, morally like what I was seeing and, and it just wasn't mm -hmm. fun I had to wear a suit and tie that's just not my not my style and um, I got fired I guess technically in uh, March of 2005 from a bank in Windsor Colorado and yeah at that time I was counting it up as about 172,000 in debt and uh, yeah, all my stuff that I had was in a banker's box. I've still got the box in my office. I, I oh kept my gosh. it. Yeah. What were they doing that was like, I mean, I, I have ideas of what they might be doing, but what was yeah, like so yeah. bad that you didn't want to be involved? You know, and, and I won't say company names, but I went from, 
uh, one side to the other. So I was in that that very much boiler room telemarketing cold calling mentality uh, of a of a mortgage company. I called it more of a uh, telemarketing company that happened to just sell mortgages. And I mean, they were they were fixing docs and lying to people, and 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 there was really no training. I mean, they had eighteen. 19 year old kids calling up people and, and, you know, consolidating all of their debts and, and refining wow. and just making, you know, points on the front, on the back, on the side. I mean, everywhere, just, just hand over fist money. I mean, it was literally like boiler room. I mean, minus the cocaine. I mean, they had the Red Bull, they had the, the guy running <laughs> around the office screaming, close more, go get them. And so I left that. And then I went to this very conservative uh, bank, very conservative bank. So I came in there um, with, with that boiler room style. And they're like, hold on, man, this is, this is how you do it. And uh, I, I just, I, I I don't like being told what to do and, and how to do it in the banking environment. It was very corporate, mm-hmm. uh, very sit down, shut up, do what you're told, follow these rules. And, and I just hated life at that time. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that was the aspect of the bank that I did not care for. Yeah, that was my, my first and only internship was not a bank, but the same general type of corporate culture. Yep. It's kind of do what you're told. And yeah, I mean, they said I did a good job, but uh, I know that you know mentally I don't thrive well in that type of situation either. Yeah, so, it was I mean, very depressing. Very depressing. Yeah. I actually was in a bank when it got robbed, though, which was was really kind of interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I've got telling you, I've got more crazy stories outside of the business. We were, I was, I was on the phone with a client, and this bank vice president, he'd pop his head into the office all, all the time just to say hi, and he popped his head in, and I thought he was just saying hi, and he looked really scared. Uh, right around Halloween, this this guy would go around to all the banks in a little you know Halloween mask and just straight up robbed the bank so yeah i was in that when it happened and really? that was uh, that was crazy yeah dude so i've heard that um when you work at a bank there's like all these procedures that you do when you get robbed but like they don't involve like you don't call the cops and like you don't try to be a hero so i mean like did you guys basically were you told to let him rob you I, I came out right after it happened, but yeah, I mean the, okay. the girl, the poor girl, she was so scared. She was she was hunkered down behind the uh, teller's desk, j- just crying after it happened, and the guy had taken off. And I mean, it's just it's it's this chaos. It's trying to get yourself together after something like that. But no, I mean they they called the police. The police came there. I think the guy got hit by a car as he was running out of the bank. It was oh my it was gosh. crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was my most exciting thing working in banking. <laughs> what, a, what a flourish to end a robbery with. You run out, you get hit by a car. Oh my god. That's gosh. right. <laughs> well, I guess if you're gonna get caught anyways, you got the thrill, you got the money. That's, that's all you need. Broken pelvis. <laughs> yeah. Everything a good movie calls for. Dude, so how did you get a hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars? Exactly. Debt? Yeah, that's like, insane. Yeah. Oh, you know, I had I had the you know over over leveraged home. I had school loans. I had car loans, credit card. I mean, every every amount of of loan and type of loan that you could have. But did you I just had. like travel the world like eighty times? Like, what did you do with that? No, no, I didn't. You know, I mean, I worked. Uh, I, I did a study abroad semester in Spain, but I mean, I didn't. Um, I didn't go too crazy, at least that, that I remember. But I mean, when I, you know, when I listed it all out on paper between all the all the debts I had, and, and obviously no no assets at that time um, prior, even prior to the the little home, the little condo. Yeah, it was one hundred seventy two thousand, and um, yeah, it was it was crazy. And I wasn't I wasn't I didn't even realize it to the degree that that I do now, looking back on it, being twenty. 22 23 with with those kind of numbers it was just it was unreal you're 22 23 years old and you're correct but dude like so what did you spend the money on like how could you even i, I don't i don't know that's a lot 
you know, I, I don't, I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I remember most of, of college, um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was just good, you know, going, going out, uh, re- you know, restaurants, bars, taking out the friends spending. I had, um, I had the means, I had the income side of the equation down in college and all I needed to do was manage it. And, and I didn't, um, people, people hear that number, but then they also heard the kind of money that I was making in college and it makes it even more, more unreal to the degree that, that it was. Man, was so is your condo like ridiculously expensive then? Was it in where you're living now? Because I would imagine your town can't be that expensive. No, it was one. it was in uh, South Fort Collins is where I was living. So we lived okay. in Northern Colorado. It was it was right around the corner from from Windsor. Um, but gotcha. yeah, I mean, I had a went out and brought a bought a brand brand new car. Had school loans. I mean, I should have been paying the money I was making towards the schooling I was doing, but I just I'd had loans. Um, mm. I had some that I didn't even realize they were accumulating interest and kicking in and and everything. Okay, so, so you just had debt that was growing kind of under under your nose. So some of it, yeah, some of it was growing then, was growing there, and uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And my wife, she comes into the equation with, uh, you know, obviously more money than me, and she was not the spender at all. Uh, spent nothing on frivolous anything. So I mean, it was a great thing that I that I met her in many regards, but especially the financial. Dude, mm-hmm. how do you? Uh, like come back from that because I imagine it grows at such a such a pace at that size, and like how are you even motivated? Because like you have to like bust your ass like crazy to mm-hmm. get to zero to be worth nothing. Like what the day you were born. <laughs> I know that's awesome. <laughs> you know it was so so I get I get laid off from this bank and and I and I hated the bank. It was fine. I was going to leave on my own terms. But the uh, president, you know, call, calls me in one day. He hunkers up his tie and he says, "Hey, you know, you don't have what it takes to win in banking." Something to that degree. And then he says, "Put all your shit in a box." That's what he said. And gave me the banker's box. I went and grabbed my little name plaque and papers, and he said, "Get out." I mean, it was re- it was really quick. I mean, they turned everything off, and I was I, I remember it vividly, like it was yesterday. I'm standing. It's a it's a March afternoon. It's warm, not like it is today in March. And um, literally, I'm sitting there, and and I didn't have the exact number, but I said, "I've got I've got nothing. I have no more money coming in, no more insurance, massive debt. I just got married. Uh, I have a, a wife to support." And I made a decision just at that point. It was it was just a mental. Um, personal human energy decision of listen, I'm I'm not going to tell a story that I'm the broke guy. I said I'm I'm going to go out and become a millionaire as fast as possible. And um, I was always, like I said, always driven by money uh, growing up, and and it's it's different for me now. But I, I just made that decision before I even figured and realized that it was going to be again in the painting business. And, and it was right before I stepped into the car, and then I jumped in the car. I had about a 12 minute drive home. Uh, told my wife what happened. And she just she kind of laughed a little bit, and then she's like, "Well, you'll, you'll go figure it out." And I said, "I guess we're going to do this painting thing again." And then went out and started M and E painting. I literally had a hundred bucks to spare. Really? Oh my gosh! So what yeah. does M and E stand for? It's uh, Matt and Emily. If she ever leaves, That's it stands for it, it stands for me. <laughs> <laughs> but but she she won't. I'm not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. And we're we're totally wife? in it. Yeah, my wife. Mm-hmm. So it's a husband wife painting business. You know, she worked in the business for about two years. She worked in the business long enough to to realize that we shouldn't be working together, at, at least <laughs> in, that, in that capacity. Um, so she actually, she her goal has been to to be a stay at home mom. We've got two kids right now; they're eight and five. Okay. And um, when when uh, Emily became pregnant with Riley, our son, that this was oh seven, she stepped out of the business. Okay, gotcha. That that was your first son. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me how this got started. I mean, you had the experience from college doing the, uh, the I can't remember the painting name, but you had uh-huh. some experience going door to door and obviously with painting houses. So how does this uh, start for being your own business? 
Yeah, I, I came. I literally came home, told Emily what happened, had the hundred bucks, went over to what was uh, Washington Mutual Bank, opened up the bank account. Uh, then I drove over to Kinko's Copies, and I had these little crooked cut business cards. I had I had no logo or website, you know, anything like that. I literally made about thirty dollars worth of business cards. Drove back to the condo and then uh, drove across a, a main road just to a subdivision that was about seven, eight years old and just started knocking on doors again. I literally just knocking on doors. Hey, we're going to be painting in your neighborhood this summer. Can I give you a bid? Can I give you a bid? And I literally did the same thing that I did as a kid hustling, shoveling snow, mowing lawns, doing the college painting, just knocked on doors. So this is like the simplest, you know, non opportunistic, non like waiting for the right opportunity to fall into your lap road to building a business you were literally just like hey i've got a thing i can do for you do you want me to do it to as many people as possible it, it was and, and that they were there was knocking on doors i was uh, hanging out in the paint aisle of home depot mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's okay with them but that, that <laughs> works too and just yeah anywhere anywhere that that would allow me to get in front of people that, that could potentially use what what i was selling and uh, yeah the main thing i did though was just knock knocked on doors and that's that's really all i all i knew at the time mm-hmm so, so how start, oh, go ahead Andrew. I was gonna say, like how long did you do this for before like you were you know before you made a million dollars um was this like years? Yeah, so 2005, I mean, it was literally, I, I don't remember the exact date in March, but it was kind of mid-late March that I just started pounding on doors. And I mean, we did about a half million in revenue our, our first year. Wow. Uh, so so by the end of 2005, wow. what wasn't a whole year. We knocked out right about a half million. And it was, it was high net. I didn't have a lot of expenses or overhead, had a couple of paint crews. And then the next year... We, we were just five a million. We did about 100 and change. And then we hit uh, the million dollar revenue mark in 2007. And then it just kept climbing and growing from there. Um, I, I knocked on doors for about the first three years. But as we started having more money to, to invest into our marketing and our efforts to generate leads, I started just, just balancing that. I had less of my time to go around pounding the pavement and more money yeah. to spend. So I tried, I mean, I tried everything, tried everything in terms of paid marketing as well. So I'm really curious about that first year because it's $500,000 within one year. What does the average paint job cost uh, the buyer? You know, back back then about $3,000. Okay, so what would you paint? Was it the size. outside, the entire mm-hmm. inside? Yeah, we did a lot of exterior uh, repaint okay. and then we would do some interior repaint as well. I'd say we, we've always had a larger proportion of outside exterior. Gotcha. So that's over 100 houses in the first year, right? It has about 100, 150, 160. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, you had $100 in your pocket. Obviously, you can't, I'm guessing you can't paint 100 houses yourself in one year and be knocking on doors. How'd you go about getting people to work for you? Like, (laughs) how'd you build this with just $100 in your pocket? Yeah, you know, I, I tell people I can't paint either. Everybody asked how much, you know, where I learned how to paint. And I like I'm looking at that wall, Andrew, because your video's on. You've got like the is that purple back there? Uh no, is no, that, it's it's uh like mauve. Yeah, yeah. It's man mauve. But uh like man I would mauve. not I would not not cut those lines straight. <laughs> um so when I when I left the college painters, I had one uh, paint, it, uh, call him a crew. It was one guy, his name was Terry that I kept in touch with. And he'd call me every couple of weeks. And he said, Hey, if you ever want to get back into the painting thing, let me know. So I, I called him literally, I think before I called Emily, I was driving home from the bank and I said, Hey, I think we're doing this painting thing. And then I just went out and I networked with a couple of other people that I knew were painting. And I had 
believe it was like three crews that I ran that first that first year. I had Terry and then two other crews of about two to three people. But but yeah, I was never doing the painting. I was out hustling, generating the leads, doing all the estimating, and then Emily was helping on the back end just with office payroll, paperwork, all that stuff. Who was watching the team if you weren't there? I mean, you have to make sure they work and do a good job, right? You know, I che- yeah, check in. I'd go, I'd go get them started in the morning. Uh, one, you know, some crews need a little bit more attention. Uh, call it that, maybe babysitting than <laughs> than others. But I had, you know, there's always as you're as you're adding new ones, you've got to get them up to speed. But I was I was working. I mean, it was sun up sun up to sundown. Um, you know, as far as I remember, I mean, I was just working all the time. So when you go to a house, you knock on the door, you finally get them to say yes. Um, you're you're starting capital so low, you can't pay your crews out of what you've got in your pocket so is it just kind of like a they pay half up front kind of deal or absolutely yeah okay i i cash flowed it with deposits so i mean i went out with that first hundred i spent about 30 on business cards another 20 on just very those real generic invoice estimate forms from like office depot mm-hmm. um i bought a little five dollar stamp to stamp my business info on it i mean it was, it was very very raw just nothing else and um yeah, went out the first couple of days and, and set up 10, 15 estimates for the next week. Went out that next week and I closed a couple on the spot, started taking, I think, 30, 40% down. So yeah, that 100 turned into you know, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000. It was literally just making sure I had one penny in front of what was going out. So wow. when you go to these people's houses and you knock on their door, do you persuade them that they need to get their house painted now? <laughs> like, how does this, like, I, I guess I don't get how you were able to hit a hundred houses that were like, yeah, I was actually just going to look for a painter, but you happened to be at my door. How crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm very much wired. I am very aggressive and persuasive. So I went into this neighborhood and it was a prime neighborhood. They, they needed painting. So I would mm-hmm. say something to the degree, Hey, we're going to be painting a bunch of houses in the neighborhood. Cause I just, I knew we would be, I had nothing booked, nothing closed yet. And I would just look over at their windows and go, Hey, like those windowsills, you don't want to let those keep peeling for too long. Uh, I'll be in the neighborhood next couple of days. Can I just come give you a bid? And I mean, it's just, just asking and the power of, of just, uh, you know, the masses, Hey, everybody else is doing it. The neighbors are doing it that, that keep up with uh, the Joneses. And then as soon as I got a job, um, I went out, bought some lawn signs, some little signs. And I think a couple of weeks later built a logo and started popping those up in, in the neighborhood. Did you, uh, did you give them a discount for like leaving your sign up or anything? Or is like any sort of incentive for that? Uh, no, I just mentioned that was something that we that we normally did. I know some some companies do that, but I just would pop them up if they let me. Oh, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So as this started to grow, I mean, you're you're spending most of your day, you know, pounding the pavement the first year. What did you have to do to start scaling as the revenue started climbing? And I'm guessing you're running a lot more crews at this point. You know, I was. Yeah, that's a great question. I uh, started building this thing. I I love the the marketing and the sales and the people aspect of it. So I knew that. I knew what my point was of sales when I was maxed out, when there was just, there was no more time in the day to, to go do estimates and meet with clients. So, mm-hmm. um, I hired, uh, first a, a project manager cause I've never actually loved the painting aspect of the painting business. Um, I love selling the jobs, getting them set up. And then I don't, I don't want to mess with the paint buckets and the scraping and all that <laughs> stuff. So yeah, I yeah. hired a guy to manage the crews and then that freed me up to sell. And then as we started getting to that million dollar level, in terms of revenue and, and crossing that threshold, that's when I needed another salesperson. So then, you know, I had a, a, pr- a project manager, 
another salesperson. Then we just kind of kept scaling up uh, that way. And you know, today, okay. uh, today we run a great, a great phenomenal sales guy sells about a million, and uh, a project manager can can manage one two to one four. So usually every every three sales people to two project managers is our ratio. Cool. So for you, it's really not the painting. The painting is a conduit for what you really love to do, which is making deals and building a business, right? You know, I, I love it. Yeah. And I just, I love, I love being around people and getting energy from people and, and pouring into people. I, I got told a lot as a kid um, to, to sit down and shut up and, and just not speak. And I've actually now transitioned. I'm in, uh, in the speaking business. I'm speaking and writing books and, and coming in and doing leadership development workshops for companies. That's been happening over the past couple of years. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've built, we've built just such a phenomenal team. And the last thing we consider ourselves to be are painters. Um, okay. you know, we're, we're a company that really enhances our community by inspiring others and impacting lives. And we just happen to do it painting. Oh, that's cool. So are you still running the painting company then? You know, it's uh, this is our eleventh year, and I actually stepped out of the daily ops uh, as of January one. So I'm not okay. actively involved in it. I've got a team that runs it, and I'm um, pursuing my my new passion. So that's the dream. You've you've built the business, and it can continue to support you. But exactly. You no longer have to do the day to day. Yep. So I'm curious. I mean, I'd love to hear about what you're doing now, and I've got a few questions on the financial side as well. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is a business that has a lot of moving parts. You've got however many people, and all these houses and a paint bucket can fall through a window or all kinds of stuff. So what kind of setbacks and, and just kind of, you know, bad stuff have you had to deal with and how'd you deal with those? Oh, do you really want to know? Do you want to know the big one? Dude, I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so, and this, and this is actually my, my next book idea that, that well, it, it'll be a book. It'll be out is, um, painting the wrong color. Like when you get the color wrong, that's kind of a bad day at the office. Oh, yeah. So the paint the, and, and that happens and that's pretty easy to fix. The first time it happens, it's like the end of the world, but painting, <laughs> the, painting the wrong house we we actually did that. So uh, what? yeah, this is no no joke, man. We um and uh, yeah, painters. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, where do I even start? So they're there's painters. A na- they're not house number readers. Come on, <laughs> we don't we don't read numbers, man. We just <laughs> we just we just roll up. But no, there was a there was a um, Ave and a Court, the same street name. So it was a Red Cloud, I believe. Oh. There's a there's a drive and a court, and uh, I pulled up to the house we were supposed to be painting, and the crew wasn't there. And I'm calling these guys like, where are you guys? And I know, like, I know you were drinking last night, but, but you, you gotta, no, we're here, man. We're in the backyard. I'm, I'm in the backyard. They're not there. We're screaming at each other on the phone. And uh, they were asking about paint or something. And they're prepping this house. Like they're scraping it. They're priming the windows. They're caulking stuff. They're, they're masking <laughs> everything off. And uh, we, you know, we start yelling, we start cursing at each other. And I said, dude, where are you? I'm at 2736 Red Cloud Drive, right? And, and they go drive. And they go drive. And, and when he said that, they're like, we're on the court, dude. And uh, so I step out across the street, like one house down around the corner. And yeah, there they are. Just this house is completely thrashed and scraped. Oh, and, man. And so that's, yeah, that's a bad day. I had to hang out at that house like all day till that guy got home to, uh, to handle that. So Wait, did you, see, up, you didn't did you paint it? Just comping him a paint job then? You know what we ended up? Yeah, we ended up uh, f- everything that we started painting. And it wasn't the whole house. I think it was two, two and a half sides. We, we you know, we prepped everything out and, and cleaned everything up and just painted it. I believe it was just just painted it the same color that, okay. that it was. Maybe even got away with touching some stuff up. But he he actually called us back three years later to, to paint the inside. So that marketing really? technique, <laughs> it, it does work. Like if you just randomly call somebody up for your podcast, that it'll it might it might work. Oh, so let's just start harvesting Skype names. Be like, ooh, we accidentally called you, bro. Sorry. And then... Be like, you want to come on my, my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Brilliant. But that's Dude, not the worst. Oh, man, that's, that's not the worst. Be, 
that's almost the worst. The worst. Nope, that's not the worst. That's All right, pretty. The worst I would, dude, I would be lividly pissed if I came home and my house was a different color because. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was not happy. He said because we we've become very much known for all the all the crazy marketing that we do. We have a sign, a guy that dances on the corner with a sign, and he's just <laughs> he's a cool dude and he's crazy. And like we'd put our logo on everything from little tattoos that we'd put on kids at like home shows to frisbees. We tried urinal cakes at the uh, the old Chicago restaurants, <laughs> and, and I mean we we tr we tried everything. But yeah, the guy. I came home and he goes, yeah, I know you're a marketing whore, but I, I didn't know that this was one of the ways that you try to get business. And he, I'm, I'm really disappointed in you, you know, <laughs> he's like the angry teacher, but, um, oh man, no, we, but, but that's not the worst in, uh, okay. 2007, we had that, uh, big tornado that hit Windsor and we ended up getting a massive amount of painting contracts in this one particular subdivision. And, um, there was a, a really nice lady. She came out with her, her baby. She had a nine month old baby and she'd come out and check out the paint job every day. And the last day of the job, we were spraying the doors black and our painter, Raul, he had the, uh, the paint sprayer key. There's like a little key that you put in there to get the paint to spray out. He had it just off centered by by just a couple degrees and he goes to pull the trigger to paint this door and he blows paint up all over the house the landscaping the woman her baby he oh, straight up man. paints like paints a customer's baby <laughs> and um i and he was a jokester he'd call and joke with me once a week about screwing something up or painting you know painting it getting paint on a deck and he called me up and was just he was freaking out and he's a he's a spanish-speaking guy he's like oh mateo I got the, the paint and the boom and the baby and i i couldn't understand what he was saying and i hear this lady screaming and the baby crying he goes i paint the baby mateo <laughs> and um yeah almost i mean that that could have gone really really bad but um you know what I've what I've learned in in these situations in business. I mean, that's when you can really show somebody what kind of business you are. There's mm -hmm. there's absolutely nothing on the line when you go do an a, a plus five star job and, and there's no room for error and, and everything goes great. I mean that that was a moment in business where if we didn't make that right, that that potentially could have ended us. Um, that yeah. whole neighborhood was talking about us. So oh um, yeah, those those were crazy. Those were crazy stories. And then I mean, I've got all kinds of little ones in between Wait, those, so those were the big ones how did you make it right i mean like i obviously you can't pay like or just like paint the baby another color and you know like, we change a color to one that you like better yeah you know i raced over there i was 20 30 minutes away and, and the first thing is just make sure the baby's okay and you know baby's okay there's no life threatening anything going on but we mm -hmm. we physically damaged a lot of things i mean we had a huge cleanup to do uh the woman was wearing a lot of you know just just lots of costly clothes i mean we had to replace all her clothes and you know apologize a million times but i think the biggest thing that that businesses don't do anymore is is they want to take accountability when things go right oh yeah that customer you know five star we mm -hmm. he was so happy with us i'm going to tell everybody but then they want to sweep that stuff under the rug you know they don't want to talk about the painted baby story or mm -hmm. the or the wrong house so yeah. just the fact that we we stood there in that gap and owned what was going on she i mean she wasn't happy she was really freaked out but uh, we were there she knew we weren't going to go anywhere and we did anything that we needed to do to make it right replacing and, and cleaning everything up you know replacing clothes center a nice gift card and then they ended up telling a lot of the neighbors about us too oh that's yeah. awesome yeah did you have to like how do you get all the paint off the sidewalk and stuff like that yeah, it was, it, was, off or? it was water-based paint, but I mean, yeah, between okay. you know, paint removers, power washers, yeah. scrubbing, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we probably had more, yeah, more time cleaning up than we did that last day of painting. Oh, man. That was a crazy story. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was, it's good stuff, yeah. So you moved out of the painting business this year. Yeah. Uh, and have you already written your first book? Or are you working on it now? Or? 
Yeah, I actually wrote a book in 2011 uh, okay. called Be- Become an Award-Winning Company. And that was actually while I was still growing M&D painting. And, and I wasn't full-time in the speaking and, and writing business. But uh, yeah, I think my next book's actually going to be uh, the story surrounding the painted baby story and, and really <laughs> showing, showing businesses like, hey, you guys have to take, take accountability and be real and, and really capture that, that story, like your company's worst moment. I don't know what you guys have that was your you know, biggest massive failure screw up <laughs> like that, that, that you want to sweep under the rug, right? You don't want to share that with people, but that's where some of the just most deep, important impactful human value of just who you guys are and what you stand for can come out and mm-hmm. when you can when you can capture that and turn that into a really emotionally intriguing story that just lets people know that you're being real and like that's the worst that, that's the worst somebody's going to get with your company if they can handle that and there can be some fun and some emotion in there then then they're they're going to feel safe with you mm-hmm. and um, I mm-hmm. think shiny marketing brochures and five star Google reviews or whatever it is like they're nice you need them to have credibility but if that's all a business leans on that's that you've got a better story and we miss sharing our best story all the time yeah for sure oh man so you're speaking now you're writing um i'm curious like what do you do for investments i mean do you have just a normal investing strategy or are you just kind of building the company continually or how are you how are you managing that yeah, no, it's great. Great question. I've uh, got a little mix of everything. I've got uh, residential, um, residential real estate rentals, mm-hmm. and uh, then I've got four, you know four hundred one ks, mutual funds, investing for the kids' college, and then I, I look at my business. I mean, M and D painting that thing kicks off. Uh, a residual income. It's funny because I get approached by multi-level guys, you know, network marketing guys all the time talking about this residual thing. And I'm at a place now where this this painting company that I've invested in for the past 11 years is kicking off a great, great income um, and doing the same for other people that work here. So I've got, I've got a good mix of things. I don't uh, do or have, have tried to this point anything too crazy in terms of investing. I know there's just, there's so much get rich quick out there and, yeah. and I don't, I just don't follow that stuff. It's just one day at a time one foot in front of the other. And if you've got debt and you've got payments that you've got to make to everybody else, you, you don't have the money to invest. And, and that was obviously what I learned very quickly early on. Yeah. So actually, a good question to go back a little bit. You had that debt. I mean, was that your first priority? Just paid it all off or how, how long did it take you to get uh, it all down to zero? Yeah, I mean, from from where I was to zero, and I don't have exact numbers, but I'd say within two to two to three years. I, I just remember it felt like we were drowning and, and I was, mm-hmm. I was working so hard and I just knew if I, if I busted it, the money would, would come in. So I don't have some of those benchmarks, but I'd say it was about two years of mm-hmm. living on, living on just minimal things that we needed to live on and just uh, attacking the debt, paying stuff down, paying stuff off, and then just getting to zero, getting to where we could actually breathe. Um, I got introduced to Dave Ramsey and a lot of his teachings back in 2007. So I follow a lot of, uh, a lot of his stuff. Okay. Um, and, and I've seen some of your guys' reviews on his stuff too. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just follow the plan of just spend spend less money than you make and save some, invest some and decide what kind of lifestyle you want to have and then manage that and just, just write it down and keep track of it. Cool. Did your experience in the painting industry help with finding those rental properties or do you just have a management company that finds them for you? How do you do that one? You know, no, as I, as Northern Colorado, the community is not, not a huge community. So as I was traveling around a lot for the painting company, doing estimates, meeting with clients, I would find where those little, those little sweet pockets of neighborhoods were. So no, I just went out with a, a realtor to find those and I, I self-manage them right now. Uh, oh, we, cool. have, we, own, we own the commercial building that our company operates in as well. So that's another, another investment that we've got. All right. Awesome. Dude, Matt, that is an amazing story. Um, so for people who 
want to hear more from you. I know your book's coming out pretty soon. Is it going to come out this year, the next one? You know, yeah, the the Painted Baby story, that that's going to be late this year, early next year. I'm not exactly sure of the exact release yet. Okay. Are you going to self-publish that or do you have a publisher lined up? I'm still deciding that too. I, I self-published my first one, but I'm, I'm looking at some publishing options as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at for whenever I think about another book. Self-publishing is awesome, but kind of want a book on the bookstore shelves right <laughs> yeah there's there's the there's there's i've looked i've looked at it both ways and um yeah i've i, I know a couple of guys that have self-published and, and they've got massive success some that publish and mm-hmm. yeah it's the, the industry's changing too i mean things are things are moving quick and even from five years ago when i did the first book um there's there's so much information out there it's just it's overwhelming yeah definitely cool well matt thanks so much for coming to the show if people want to connect with you where can they go just go to mattshaup.com awesome all right, guys. Well, yeah, check out Matt's site. Also, if you've got questions for us or other millionaires you want us to uh, interview, you can email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com or join our community over at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. We've got all sorts of money nerds in there debating stuff and having discussions and some bonus resources. More coming in the future, so check it out. And uh, our toolbox is at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox where you can find apps we recommend, websites, books that we love and all that good stuff. So, Matt, thanks again for being on the show, and uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. Thanks, guys. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.